Excellent. Thank you. Because it's the offering, it even sounds spiritual. So that's good with that background music. Uh, we do want to thank you for your continued giving through tithes and offerings, and it helps us to reach out and uh, be a part. We've found a piece of property that we are at least looking at, um, and we would just have you pray with us for what God might have for us in the future, and that will take a significant amount of tithes and offerings and sacrificial giving if indeed God would lead us to have our own space. Some ways it doesn't make sense, other ways it might be what God has for us, and so we're just trying to entertain God, who are you? If you are holy, if you want to use us, we want to be found faithful in one way is through tithes and offerings. And we thank you so much for being that blessing to us and to this local church. You can give online or uh, in person or mail checks to the chapel campus, as many people do. And we just thank you so much for your continued generosity and obedience and giving and what God would have us be a part of. So we do thank you for that. Uh, personally, I thank the guys that helped out with our firewood yesterday. We got through, I don't know, just over three quarts of firewood, and it was a lot of fun for me to have help. And so we just thank you for that, and that way my dad was, wasn't was doing it uh, by himself, and we just thank you for that, and that was um, a blessing, certainly. And the bulletins, I'm trying to keep it up this uh, month at least. There are fill in the blank, so you might get bored, and hopefully you don't get too bored, but you can take the bulletins home with you and be reminded at least of the text, the scripture that we looked at here at Living Hope Wesleyan Church. All the people saw him walking and heard him praising God, Acts 3, verse 9. This is the crippled guy that looked up at Peter and said, Hey, do you have any money? I would like money. And Peter made eye contact with him. Peter looked at him intently. Peter got this guy's hopes up. This guy said, Hey, yeah, do you have any money? I see you looking at me. I see you acknowledging me. Do you have money? And Peter said, No. Look at us. We don't have any money, but what I do have, I'm going to give to you. What I do have, I'm going to just invest in you. And that's knowing that I walked with Jesus. I saw him crucified. I experienced his forgiveness after I denied him. And so what I do have is his salvation. I do have his healing. I do have pointing to Jesus in my repertoire. This is what I give to you. And so then he took this crippled man's hand, lifted him up, and he began to walk. And all the people saw this crippled guy walking and heard him praising God. When's the last time someone saw you walking in the spirit? and praising God for his goodness. When they realized he was the lame beggar they had seen so often at the beautiful gate, they were absolutely astounded. They couldn't believe what had taken place. And they all rushed out in amazement to Solomon's colonnade. And so I did do a little research because last week, I don't know if I admitted it, but I didn't know what Solomon's colonnade was. So this is the research I did. There are study notes in some of these Bibles, and this is the study note it says. Solomon's colonnade is a porch along the inner side of the wall, enclosing the outer court with rows of 27-foot-high stone columns in a roof of cedar. So that might not mean a lot to you, but it does mean something to me that this guy was begging where? Inside the gate or outside the gate? He was begging outside the gate. 
But then when he was healed, he went inside the gate to where everybody could see him, where they could hear him, where they could say, hey, I walked past you and I thought you were just going to use that money on sex, drugs, and rock and roll. I walked past you and I didn't think like you deserved the money because I gave you money like last month and you didn't put it to good use because you're still here. I walked past you. I kind of made it look so I didn't see you. Uh, but now you're inside. Now, wait. You are the person I walk by. You are the person that uh, Peter's saying God just healed. You are the person. Acts 3, 9. All the people saw him walking and heard him praising God. Saw. I want you to think about that word. They saw him. Verse 12. Peter saw his opportunity and addressed the crowd. Peter what? He saw. You can say it out loud. Peter what? Saw. saw. Peter saw his opportunity in dressing crowd. People of Israel, what is so surprising about this and why stare at us as though we made this man walk by our own power or godliness? Peter saw his opportunity. Do we recognize our opportunities? Because many people would pray, God, open a door. Give me a divine appointment. Let me see where you're working so I can join you. And if we would pause for a moment and understand that God's always at work, maybe perhaps that person at work that is frustrating you, that's the open door that God wants you to see, not walk quickly past so you can get to a more important conversation. Maybe that uh, opportunity when you're in line at the grocery store, that's where God wants you to pause and see, not so you can get to church and have your brunch. Maybe God wants us to pause and walk slowly through the crowd so we can see what he's doing. Maybe it's not, hey, I coach basketball, so I invite people to uh, come to church, so they come to church so I can tell them about God. But I coach basketball with such passion and integrity that I live a life of an example that it's not about once they get here or once they turn the corner, once they say a prayer, but you see the opportunity that just presented itself. You see the opportunity of, wow, this is amazing, and it might seem like a lot of pressure or a big burden or a sense of responsibility. Like, it's too big, and yes, it is too big, but greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world, and not some uh, religious cliche that we quote, but once we understand this is who God is, what he wants is to be alive in us, that we can face whatever issue, whatever mountain is standing in our way and say, God I see this opportunity for you to work through me, to use me. Speaking with uh, some pastors this past week, we had a district call and we were just talking about what we were going through. And a pastor was just talking about how <clears throat> never before did he realize the verse, when I'm weak, God makes me strong. I preached the verse, I knew the verse, I talked about the verse, I pointed people to the verse, and when you're weak, God will make you strong, but being so tired, like not having the volunteers, not having the structure, not having the congregation he used to have, he said, I am so tired, I'm fatigued, I want to give up, but there's this not super spiritual, but it's awe-inspiring sense of God's call, God's uh, place on my life to be a minister of the gospel, to be an ordained clergy, uh, that I need to focus on just, oh, God, in my weakness, you need to make me strong. And I was reminded two summers when I was in college, I traveled for the college. Uh, we went to different camps. It was a ministry team. And one year we went to nine camps in 11 weeks all over Canada and the north northern part of the United States. We went all the way to Iowa, all the way down south to Tennessee. And that was a whole 
I was tired. I was the only driver, which was pretty bad because I was 21 and so you had to drive the, the rental and uh, in Canada, you only had to be 21, not 25. So those that are fact checking, this really did happen, but uh, I was so tired. And by like the fifth camp, I'm like, I cannot do this anymore. Like you get up early with the kids, the students, you try to play all day, you have fun, but, and then you're like, trying to be a good witness, but man, those van rides with your college used to be buddies. Now they're just like people you go to college with, like you don't want to hear another sound out of their mouth. You don't want to hear them breathe. You're just like, turn off the radio, put on your headphones, which you aren't supposed to do when you're driving. And I found that out. But, and so there's so many different things that when you're so tired, you're irritable. You just feel like you're exhausted. You've wasted yourself in a good way to give to all these students at this camp and you can't catch your breath because you have another camp and this pastor was saying there's always another sunday so just when i take my afternoon nap on sunday which i love to take as well by evening sunday night it's like oh i need to preach in seven more days in this constant onslaught of like i am so tired there's just so much coming at me there's so many pressures do we see the opportunity that peter did to address a crowd and say, people of Israel, what is surprising about this? He didn't say, hey, look at me, be like me. He said, why is this so surprising? Because you know about this Jesus that you had a part in crucifying. You know about this Jesus that was buried. You know about this Jesus that performed miracles that can't be uh, understood, that you know about this guy this, that just happened. And you also know the stories. Perhaps some of them saw that Jesus was raised from the dead after he was crucified and buried before he ascended. Some of these people may have heard stories of Jesus walking on earth. Why does it surprise you that this man is now healed? Why does it surprise you that God could help heal somebody, that God could come and perform a miracle, that God could restore a broken relationship? Why is that so surprising? Don't stare at us. Look at who Jesus is. It's not by my power or godliness, but it's by who Jesus is. Peter saw his opportunity. We have an opportunity. It's a very simple and easy one today because it's grandparents day. So if your grandparents are still living, this is an opportunity for you to call your grandparents. You could try to text them, but you might get an email back. You could try to reach out. But, so this is an opportunity to text your grandparents or call your grandparents and say, I'm thinking of you, I'm praying for you. Maybe your grandparents, they meant the world to you and they've passed away. And you could just thank God for the influence that they had on your life that we seize and take captive this moment. So we say this opportunity on Grandparents Day, maybe you are a grandparent and you're thinking, I want to pray for my grandchildren. I want them to know that God cares about them. I want them just to be invested in the faith of Jesus. This is an opportunity, but Grandparents Day is once a year. We have opportunities every day that we can see and hold on to and reach out to others. Peter saw this opportunity. Why stare at us as though we made this man walk by our own power or godliness? Why do people share their opinions so much? I'm glad no one answered out loud. <laughs> but why does everybody feel like I need to share your opinion? It, 
I, I think we have an internal need to feel a sense that we belong, that we're valuable, that in, in Christ, as believers, as followers of Jesus, there is that. But as you speak to people, it does not matter. Well, I do it, too, because they were talking about uh, fantasy football. I don't play fantasy football. I watch more college football than anyway. And so I just felt a need to interject, like, hey, I think they're going to have a great year. And I didn't even know their quarterback because their quarterback left and they got a new quarterback. And I'm like, why am I trying to fit in when I don't even know what I want to fit in so bad? Because sometimes we feel like, oh, look at my power. Look at my godliness. Instead of saying, I am weak. I am fragile. I am broken. I just need Jesus. And the more that you see Jesus in me, the more that you're going to be built up. You're, the more you're going to be encouraged. And we need to allow others to see God's power, not our own. Funny story, at least funny to me, I'm working at Top Notch. Uh, I wear bell staff, so I open the door. There's a front desk person, and he gets this phone call, and he's like, no, I'm sorry, we don't have that room. Well, I'll check in the back. No, there's nothing under that name. No, and then he hangs up, and he's shaking his head. I was like, hey, what was that about? He's like, they called the Holiday Inn. And they were looking for a package or a room number under a certain name. And I said, no, I'm sorry, this is Top Notch Resort. And they hung up on me. But before they hung up, they said, oh, my phone. And then they just hung up. And he's like, I don't know why people kind of make stuff up instead of saying, hey, I'm sorry, I called the wrong number. Why is that? Hey, my phone. And then just hang up. It's like, oh, I am. Why don't we accept responsibility when we mess up instead of trying to give our opinion to make us sound right, that we belong? Why stare at us? Why look at me when we need to look at God's word? Why don't we just look at who Jesus is? Because that's when we receive power, Acts you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere. This is the context of the Bible. This isn't just to be read as a book or as a chapter, Genesis through Revelation. It has the same story all throughout. It all points to Jesus, his salvation, his forgiveness of sins. And once we just read, sometimes I get locked into reading one section of Scripture that I forget the context it was promised that you would receive the power to do it, not of yourself, but of Jesus in you. And after you would be witnesses telling people about Jesus everywhere. What did this guy do? This crippled guy that could get up and walk. They saw him and heard him praising God. He had received God's power. He was being used as a witness and he was telling people about Jesus with new legs, with new strength with the ability to run and walk with the forgiveness of sins, the healing that had come, knowing that he was not who he once was, but he had been changed. And this is the same invitation for us. Acts 3.13, this is the final verse. And so you might say, oh, it's not a lot of scripture. Well, that doesn't mean we're getting out early either. But for it is... The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of all our ancestors, who has brought glory to his servant Jesus by doing this. 
This is the same Jesus whom you handed over and rejected before Pilate, despite Pilate's decision to release him. This is because of you, because Jesus had to fulfill prophecy and die on the cross. This is how it happened. But go back to who has brought the glory to his servant, Jesus. His servant, Jesus. His Servant, not his great powerful son, Jesus, not the one that forgives all sins, Jesus. This is his servant, Jesus. So I looked it up in the Greek because that's how, uh, well, smart I am. This word servant, this is the Greek word. I don't know how to pronounce it, but it means boy, child, youth. This servant, Jesus, this son of God, this boy, child, youth, this son of God, Jesus. The servant, Jesus, slave or attendant. Jesus came as the Son of God to serve. Jesus came as the Son of God, yes, we think to rule, to have victory, to have all power and dominion. To... That's the second coming. The prince of the world is Satan, and we have to understand that to reach the lost, to reach those that need him, we need to serve. There's a... Uh, old song that I remember I'd sing it for you, but I don't want to make the McHugh's look bad and show off my voice, so I won't. But this is the old hymn. There's not a friend like the lowly Jesus. No, not one. No, not one. None else could heal all our soul's diseases. No, not one. No, not one. Jesus knows all about our struggles. He will guide until the day is done. There's not a friend like the servant, Jesus. There's not a friend like the humble, Jesus. There's not a friend like the brutally beaten, rejected, flogged, crucified, Jesus. No, not one. No, not one. No friend like him is so high and holy. How can you be so high and holy when it's the lowly Jesus, the humble Jesus, the servant Jesus, because he knew he was about his father's will to seek and save the lost. And to seek and save the lost, it was not to give his opinion, hey, this is what I think. It was to say, this is what my daddy says, and I just want to show you in love, filled with grace and truth. I just want to show you and display by serving, by washing your feet, by helping you well, by paying your taxes, by you going out and fishing. This is how I want to serve you. And yet no friend is so meek and lowly. No, not one. No, not one. There's not an hour that he is not near us. No, not one. No, not one. No night so dark, but his love can cheer us. No, not one. No, not one. Now, one night when you're so overwhelmed with sadness, where you're depressed, where you're filled with anxiety, that Jesus is not willing to show up and be embraced by you, to just open your eyes and let you see his holiness, his goodness, his faithfulness, that you can remember and reflect on who he is, the one that not just healed the cripple, but forgave the sins, that is willing and able to forgive our sins and wipe them away. He will Choose not to remember. I spoke with somebody the other day and they said, Jeff, I don't understand forgiveness. 
like I always remember. And then they said, and some people that I probably should forgive, I don't want to be around. And I said, that's good. Because we need to set up boundaries. And because you forgive people does not mean you need to be best friends. But you can care about their soul. You can care about them. But also provide enough distance, enough boundaries where you are safe. And Satan can't use that past to stir up things where you're going to have, have to ask for God's forgiveness again. There is forgiveness where you say, Jesus, help me forgive them to love them but I need a sake, a distance so that I choose not to live in that spot. No night so dark. And how many times, how often does Satan bring back our past and put it in front of our face so we feel like, hey, I love Jesus, but I'm such a hypocrite because this is what I did. But no, not one, no, not one, like the lowly Jesus, the servant Jesus that forgives us, loves us, and helps us. Did ever saint find this friend forsake him? No, not one. No, not one. Or sinner find that he would not take him? No, not one. No, not one. It does not matter your past. It does not matter the past of your neighbor. It does not matter the past of the person that you know, that you just know if they died today, they would go to hell because you feel like they deserve it. Even that sinner. God is ready and able to forgive. Was ever a gift like the Savior given? No, not one. No, not one. So because I got my slides out of order, I don't want to uh, go back through all of those. So we will read Acts 3.13 once more, this time from the New International Version. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant, Jesus. Peter used their history of their forefathers, of their generations to say, this God that they said, your grandparents, your great-grandparents, the generations that they talked about, this is the God that gave you this lowly Jesus that he might heal this crippled man that he might bring salvation and we are to be like him that we might know serving others and loving him is the most important thing we can do as followers poor david and dad i give them a hard time every sunday morning about setting up chairs but they are here setting up chairs there's something when people are willing to serve and be a part. There's something when people are saying, hey, I will sacrifice my time, even though I'm tired, I would like to take a nap. There's something probably better that I would like to do for the sake of you. And what is the church if we are being the church and making time to serve others as our servant Jesus did? There's not a friend like the lowly Jesus. No, not one. No, not one. Jesus, we thank you for your goodness and your truth. We thank you that you still heal, whether it be crippled or whether it be cancer. We thank you you still forgive whatever sin, whatever consequence remains or we need to journey through. You are there faithful to restore and make new. We praise you, God, because you are good. 
We thank you, Jesus, for this time together, but even more that we would see the opportunities you give that others might hear us praising you because you are faithful. Father, many in this room are tired. We feel the fatigue. We wonder if we can keep going. So here we are. Let us be strong in you as we remain in you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. I forgot my uh, object lesson, but I was going to bring in a, a bucket of water and then a sponge. And some of you have seen it before. And like what's in the sponge when it squeezes what's in the sponge. But I was just thinking like if God is all around us and God's everywhere and we're to be like God, like you can put the sponge in the water. But what happens to the sponge that's in the water? Slowly the water gets into the sponge. I was speaking with a friend, uh, well, probably a year or so ago, and they said, why didn't you tell me, like, Jesus actually lives in me when I became a Christian? It's like, I don't know. I thought you knew it. And like, I'm a new Christian. I don't know that. It's not just us remaining, abiding, hiding, finding rest in Jesus, but as we find rest in him, he infiltrates us, kind of like through the very pores of our skin, his being, his spirit. It gets into us, and he begins to change us so that we can rest as we remain in him. It's not like your car where you get filled up with God enough until you get empty again. No, we can constantly be filled with who God is, his presence, but sometimes we're just like, no, I just need enough of God to get through the day. I just need enough of God to make it to heaven. If we want God to use us, whether literally or proverbially, to help crippled people, God says the only way you can do it is not by your own power and your own godliness, but by remaining in me and allowing me to seep in through you. And if there's any wicked way in you, in me, that God would create in us a clean heart. So as we close, I don't know if you have to pray over brunch. It's kind of like appetizers. You pray over appetizers. You probably should pray for everything. But uh, will he refuse us the bliss of heaven? No, not one. No, not one. Unless we refuse to receive his blessing. So we'll pray for brunch and the time together. But most of all, I pray that we would not refuse this bliss of heaven that God's made available to us. So Jesus, here we are once again. May we choose to remain in you and allow you to fill us with your blessing and with your truth. I'm just going to play this song and then following we will have the time together for brunch and fellowship and to smile with and care for one another. me first, you let me in when I was at my worst, the moment when I heard you say my name, it's the first time in so long when 
not afraid You are the force that calms the storm inside me Castle walls that stand around me All this time my guardian was you you are the light that shines in every tunnel Better in the past, you'll be there tomorrow All my life, your love was breaking through It's always been It's always been My northern star she loved me, compass of my heart Oh, I just wanna be right where you are Right where you are You are the voice that calms the storm inside me Cast the walls that stand around me Oh, this time my God is here you are the light that shines in every tunnel There in the past, you'll be there tomorrow All my life, your love was breaking through It's always been, yeah. It's always been, It's always been, The voice that calms the storm inside me Cast the walls that stand around me All this time my guardian was you You are the light that shines in every tunnel Every in the past you'll be there tomorrow All my life your love was breaking through It's always been dismissed for brunch. Mm -hmm.